If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. They didn't quite understand how the science and math that they were learning in school was relevant in the real world. And so I started doing some research to figure out how can we make this relevant? What's out there that young people will enjoy that will help them to see that what they're learning in school is really cool. And for STEM advocate, educator, and entrepreneur, Deshwana Bagley, the answer to that question is at least equally cool involving exciting technology, including robotics and XR. Daesh, as she prefers to be called, is the founder and CEO of Tampa Bay area-based Tech Play Zone. Through Tech Play Zone, she engages kids of all ages in activities incorporating science, technology, engineering, and math. And she also provides professional development training to educators and Fortune 500 corporate managers. In addition, Daesh is the director at State College of Florida IT Coding Academy, as well as being involved in some exciting creative projects in the metaverse. Daesh, before we get to talking about all the incredibly cool stuff you are doing with Tech Play Zone, I'd like to know, how did robotics and computer science first spark your imagination to the point that you made it your career? Thanks, Dot. Thanks for having me. I have I have a computer science degree, and I chose computer science because it allowed me to program machines and tell them what to do. And I do enjoy so telling people what to do. (laughs) The people didn't always enjoy being told what to do. So I started programming in that arena in high school, and I continued on through college. But as far as robotics goes, it wasn't until I had kids of my own. I have five young adults now, but at the time, 17, 18, 19 years ago, when they were younger, my boys were always fascinated with electronics and Lego and science and math, but they didn't quite understand how the science and math that they were learning in school was relevant in the real world. And so I started doing some research to figure out how can we make this, you know, relatable? How can we make it relevant? What's out there that young people will enjoy that will help them to see that what they're learning in school is really cool. And I discovered robots. I discovered a product by Lego called Mindstorms. And I discovered these kits, these electronic kits called Snap Circuits. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but Snap Circuits are really, really fun ways to create circuits. And that's sort of how I got started from an educational application standpoint. I had a career as a software developer, but I didn't find robots until much later in life after I had my own kids. It sounds like you found them in a very fun way. Yes. I think you put your finger right on the reason a lot of kids don't get into science and technology, relatable and workable in the real world. How did you come to go from there to creating Tech Play Zone? Once my young guys were playing around with the robots and programming them. So let me, I just want to be clear about it because that was really amazing to me that there were these little microprocessors built into Lego parts. And there's a programming language that young people could understand, drag and drop at the time where they could If the robot was supposed to go forward, there was an up arrow and you would just tell it the distance in inches or centimeters and the robot would do what it was supposed to do. 
once I discovered that my guys loved it, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and I really did want to have a career. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to bring in some income. And I thought to myself, look at these guys. They're having fun. And look at their friends. Their friends are here, and they're also having fun. This might be an after-school program. This might be something that other young people can benefit from as well. And we can tie in social development. We can tie in communication skills. We can tie in problem solving. We can tie in all of the incredible math and science that exist. Maybe we should start a business. And so I went down that path. From maybe we can start a business to the beginning of Tech Play Zone. What were those early days like? Those early days were fantastic. In 2005, the very first thing I thought of was, what will our website be? I didn't even have a name for the business. I have been researching Mitch Resnick's playful learning philosophy from MIT. And Mitchell said that in his MIT Media Lab that they had a kindergarten. And you're going to have to forgive me, Doc, because I can't remember it right offhand. But it was a kindergarten learning process for their undergraduate computer science students. And I wanted a playground. I said, oh, let me see if Tech Playground is available. Oh, let me see if Technology Playground is available. And neither one of those were available on Google, you know, as far as a domain name goes. So then I put in, well, it's going to be a zone. It's going to be a hangout zone where the kids hang out and have fun. So let me try Technology Zone. Oh, but they're going to be playing. So let's try Tech Play Zone. Techplayzone.com. TechPlayZone.com. It's available. It's available. So I named my company TechPlayZone because the domain name was available and I love how it sounded. And it really did have the actual ring to it that I wanted. I wanted the young people to learn, but I wanted it to feel like playing and I wanted to be surrounded with high tech toys and hands-on opportunities. And I love that because the idea of fun, I don't think half the time they probably realize that they're learning. You said it. We got them. We got them. We captured them. <laughs> what I really like in your TEDx talk is where you talk about, well, the Dick and Jane approach. I remember that. I remember see Dick run, run Dick run. Readers. That oh my gosh, yes. Just, I'm going to try not to sound too negative here. They taught a lot of kids to read. but Yes, I learned to read with Dick and Jane. <laughs> Me too. But I think we can agree what characteristics do Dick and Jane have? What personality characteristics? Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? They could walk. They could walk. They had a dog named Spot and they could run. And that's it. Today's kids need a whole lot more. Daish said the inspiration for her current approach to teaching young children about robotics began when she was working with kindergartners. And I showed the kindergartner the robot and I showed them the programming language that we would be using. And the kindergartner said, oh, so all I have to do, Miss Stash, is click the button and connect these pieces and the robot will do what I tell it to do. I said, yes, it's just like, go robot, go. And the young person said, well, that's easy. And it dawned on me, that's literally how I learned to read. I learned to read with Dick and Jane, go spot, go, or see Jane, 
whatever. And now, as I look at curriculum being developed for our K through 12 students, even starting in, in kindergarten, the concepts are far more complicated than what we were expected to know. Our students are expected to have inferences. They are expected to understand the plot. They're expected to see character development. And we weren't in the classroom at the time, back in 2005 anyway, not only did most students not have computers in their classroom, if they did have a computer in the classroom, it wasn't anything as far as critical thinking or problem solving. It was all click here, open this application, and maybe let's take a test or maybe let's do some matching games or nothing as far as creating. And here's what I realized. Our kids love to create They don't simply want to be the ones taking in the information. If given a choice between playing a game and making a game, if they feel confident and if they understand that they have the ability to do it, they will choose to make a game any day. And not only will they make the game, they will share it with their friends and be excited about what they've made and what they've developed. And I want to say that's the secret sauce. The secret sauce is allowing them to actually create the actual things that they're seeing on television or in video games, create their own avatars, create their own characters, create their own app, web app. I have a young man who is 24 years old now. He started at Tech Play Zone when he was seven. And that young man sent me a link to his, it's his own take on the Wordle phenomenon that's going on now. He made his own Wordle web app. And he shared that with me. And it made me think about when he was seven years old, he was literally doing the exact same thing, making games and sharing them with others. So that's, I think, what helps the kids learn. Not only do they get to engage in things that they enjoy, but they get to make their own ideas come to life. It's a wonderful gift to make them creators as opposed to consumers. Yes. And that was that's literally what Mitch Resnick said with the MIT Media Lab. He said, why do our students simply have to hold you know, an iPad or a laptop and take in information? Why can't they give something back? Why can't they create? And I thought, well, why can't they? And what's stopping us? And there is literally nothing stopping us other than our own inhibitions or fear of technology. And that's when I started thinking about teachers. Our teachers need some professional development so that they're not afraid to engage in these topics. What about that fear? Suppose that we have a teacher who, like you and me, can remember Dick and Jane, and all of a sudden, here's all this technology, and we've got a program. That's scary. How do we get around that? Well, I guess the first concept of getting around it is realizing that computers aren't all that different than any other piece of equipment, right? If we can learn to work a microwave, If we can understand how our televisions work, if we understand the whole concept of picking up a smartphone and and figuring it out, then at some point we have to know that it's doable. We can do it. It's not a foreign concept. It's, It's not something that no one has ever done before. And then from there, we simply have to meet our teachers, our instructors. We have to meet them where they live. 
If they're familiar with a laptop, great, let's start with laptops. If they're familiar with Android devices or iPads, let's start there. And then let's develop some really amazing curriculum that fits into their world. If it's a math teacher, then perhaps we start with let's make a math game. If it's a science teacher, perhaps we start with let's look at a sensor that's going to take temperatures or that's going to register humidity. I honestly have to think to myself, what is it that the teacher is really involved in day to day? What do they enjoy doing day to day? And how can I fit this technology into their world and give them that amazing confidence that they can tackle it, that it's not unachievable, that it's something within their grasp. And all they need, just like with their students who walk into their classrooms every single day, all they need is an instructor who cares about them, wants their best interest, and knows that they can teach them the information. What if it's an art teacher or literature teacher? Where can they find their way? Oh my goodness, Dot. I'm so glad that you said that. You know, I'm I'm a techie, so I never really thought of myself as an artist or a designer. And in fact, if you talk about fear, I think I'm the one that's afraid of of art and all of that creative stuff. I remember my kindergarten teacher giving me crayons and scissors and telling me to make something and design and create something. This was in kindergarten. And I I didn't know how to use scissors and I had never had crayons. I honestly had never had crayons before. And so the teacher's standing over me and she's saying, I see some of us don't know how to use scissors. And I felt so to a kid. (laughs) I felt so embarrassed. I felt intimidated. I felt like, well, I guess I'll never learn. And ever since then, honestly, if somebody asked me to do something with crayons or markers or draw or anything, I'm very intimidated by that. I don't feel like I have those skills. However, I've discovered, and this is what I think our art teachers and our theater majors or, you know, anybody that doesn't consider themselves techie, what I've discovered is that there are some tools out there that our teachers will love. And there are some platforms out there, you know, it sort of makes me think of virtual reality or, you know, quote unquote, the metaverse, where we all have avatars and we want our avatars to have certain clothing and certain hairstyles and and we want our houses, you know when I think of Minecraft or Roblox, artists are involved in every single step. Web page, web page design. We can't do it without our artists. We can't do it without people who have that critical, critical eye and an eye for design. All of that takes the great skill of our artist. What are some of the resources? And it's interesting that you mentioned virtual reality. I met you at XR Women, and I'd love to talk a little about that. Yay, XR Women. What about the XR and the design and how we get into that. But let's look at some resources first. Suppose we have that art teacher, that theater teacher. How do they look up some resources that are going to get them started? So if we have the art teacher, a lot of them may already know about the Adobe Suite. And I'm not trying to give an advertisement here, but Adobe just happens to be one of the products, software products that many of our graphic designers use. And as virtual reality has become more prevalent as web pages have stopped looking, you know, so much toward functionality and more toward the user experience and user interface. We probably start with software that our teachers are already familiar with. 
maybe it's a basic HTML, CSS class. CSS stands for Cascading Style Sheets, where we talk about how to design a simple web page. And then from there, we go into, well, what makes something three-dimensional? Why is it only two-dimensional? How can I take what I've done here and bring it to the next level? And we have all sorts of amazing products to do that. SolidWorks, Autodesk, Tinkercad for my kindergarten and K through five teachers. There's this program made by Dassault. Dassault is the company that does Autodesk CAD. I'm talking like a geek now, Doc, so you have to forgive me. But there are some software packages out there that exist for K through 12 or post-secondary. And if a person has an interest and a desire to learn, those software packages are there to help as well as training programs. You know, I'm the director of a training program as well here at State College of Florida. And so we train people day in and day out. Did I see that you'll be doing a boot camp sometime in the near future? Oh my gosh, we're doing boot camps right now. Cybersecurity, full stack development. We've partnered with some amazing folks. And here at the State College of Florida, we have over a dozen people being trained to go into those technology careers. And here's the thing, Dot, one of our students was a professional dancer. Now he's going to be a developer. Another one of our students was a stay-at-home mom and she wanted to restart her career, get back into it before she was auditing, before she had kids, she would do some audits. And she has been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. Now she's ready to get back into the workforce. And she's like, I've always thought to myself, I want to be the one to make the software that people use to make their lives easier. That is amazing. Is this on site alone or is it also virtual? It's on site by preference. I think people learn better in a classroom, but that's just my preference. Our instructors are online. So if anyone wanted to join our class online, they very well could. I just, when I'm talking to students, I think the collaboration, I guess just like at Tech Play Zone, some things never leave me. I think the collaboration among students is the secret sauce when they understand that they're all in it together and everybody's working hard, somebody's struggling in some sort of way. Don't give up. Don't think that you're the only one who can't do it because everybody struggles with coding or networking or computer science topics. We all have a journey. And when we're doing it together, it just makes the journey that much better. What if? Well, first of all, I would encourage anybody hearing this that's in your area to check this out. But what if they want to check out also your virtual offerings? Where are the links? The links are all on coding.scf.edu. And that's for the State College of Florida IT Coding Academy, of which I'm the director. And then there's techplayzone.com. <laughs> because techplayzone.com is for the young people. And a lot of our classes take place in the metaverse on a site called Verbella. So we hold our Tech Play Zone classes in Verbella. And I also, you know, that's where our XR Women Group meets on a Verbella campus. So our students get to have avatars, they get to come into the world, and we may be, you know, talking about drones or robots, but we're all in that virtual space together versus being in a Zoom or Teams, nothing against Zoom or Teams, but a lot of our students enjoy the gamified learning environment. And that's where the virtual reality comes in handy. I personally love Verbella and you have this amazing museum in Verbella. We do talk about artists and writers and performers working with Octosmos and Sarah Segrest and the Verbella team. We were able to take 
amazing Black history facts and place them inside a virtual world. And it showcases people who, African-American people who were amazing writers, amazing poets, and amazing speakers, and even programmers. When Sarah approached me, she said, this is going to be your section. You're going to help me design the section for African-American computer scientists. And I learned things I had never known. It's a fantastic way to display information that's unconventional, you know? Absolutely. How long will this be up and where can people see it? People can see it on Verbella's Open Campus. And I'm not sure how long it's going to be up. Originally, we thought it would be a Black History Month sort of virtual history museum. But because it is so relevant to today's conversation of understanding various perceptions and and making relationships, you know, among all of us from different places, I'm hoping that they'll keep it up for a while. I hope so, too. This was amazing. And I thought I knew authors. And I there's so much I don't know. It's incredible. <laughs> That's exactly right. Same for me. There were so many things I thought I knew. And and you know, and I'm gonna just be honest, that there are so many perceptions of various artists that I had, right? I'm like, oh that artist, right? I don't know. I don't know if I want to listen to that music. And I went into the Black History virtual museum and there was an artist and I listened to her story. I found out a little about her background and it really just changed my entire perception of that particular artist. So the more we're exposed, the more we know. The more we learn to live together on the planet Earth. Yes, yes. Was that your introduction to XR? Had you been doing virtual reality for a while? I have been doing it, I can't even say for a while, Doc, because I think most of you that I met within XR Women have been doing it for far longer than me. I've been involved with virtual reality from a virtual world perspective for about a year and a half. During COVID, I was looking for a way to host a robotics tournament. I'm a program partner for FIRST, FIRST Robotics for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. And so we have students from all over the state of Florida who compete every year. And at the end of the season, we have a culminating event called the Florida State Championship. And I could not imagine one more tournament in Zoom. I just couldn't. I just couldn't imagine it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. I wanted these amazing students to have an equally amazing experience coming together and showcasing what they had learned during the season. So I started doing research, which is what I tell everybody to do. If you have an idea, start researching, figure out what's out there, because surely if you want it to happen, more than likely someone else is working on it or has worked on it and you can find ways to innovate upon it. And so that's when I found Verbella and I saw how they were using it for enterprise systems, for people working remotely, for big businesses. And I thought, that's fine. But what if we use it for a robotics tournament? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be great if we could have all of our young people come onto a private campus? And I probably need to emphasize that. We weren't on a virtual world that was open to any and everybody. We were on a virtual world that was purposed just for our kids, just for a weekend. 
I definitely believe that safety for everyone is key when you're in a virtual space, but safety for kids is really important. So we found a campus, a Verbella campus, that would allow us to be on their campus for the weekend, just us. It was closed to everybody else. And we held our robotics event. We had keynote speakers. We had students sharing how they built their robots. We had students talking about their engineering design process. And we all came together and we played games and we did all of those fun things that you could typically do when you're all together, but Verbella made it possible in virtual reality. Riding boats and playing basketball and doing teamwork experiences. It was amazing. So that was my first real introduction. And then I got to tell you, there's another Verbella product and there's lots of virtual reality platforms out there. So don't get me wrong. Verbella is not the only one. You guys can do some research and see what's out there. But there's another product called Frame. Frame is built on a web XR platform. So we have our HTML and we understand CSS, but there's another layer of website design that allows your website to have a three-dimensional feel, and it's called WebXR. WebXR, for those of you who are programmers, graphic designers, artists, movie, you're into films, Frame allows you to take all of those skills and create your own virtual world. So after I did the robotics tournament, I thought this was nice, but how can I get my kids to be the creators? I want my kids now to start making their own 3D models. I want them to make their own 3D worlds. They're excited about Roblox. They're excited about Minecraft. What can we do in this virtual reality space? And that's how we started using Frame. And our students make their own virtual worlds. They bring in their own ideas and their own concepts of what they want to have in those worlds. They create their own music and their own movies and their own businesses. Even I did a summer camp last summer where our students were entrepreneurs and they had to come up with ideas of what product they would sell, how they would market it, what their slogans would be. They had to create prototypes using SolidWorks. So they used the software, CAD software called SolidWorks. They made their own three-dimensional prototypes. And historically we would 3D print those but we didn't have to 3D print them this time because the students could put them into their frame and they would visit one another's frames and all see the creations that they had made. So that's been my foray into virtual reality, starting with the robotics tournament and then ending with students creating their own concepts and their own ideas and bringing it to life in virtual reality. Why in the world didn't we have this in school when you and I were students? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> What is next for you with Tech Play Zone? Next for me, Tech Play Zone, State College of Florida, IT Coding Academy. I wear a lot of hats. XR Women. I think next for me is having a platform where we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, where, because, you know, with Tech Play Zone, it's in a community and I'd never franchised it or anything like that. It's just, it's our, my small business and my community. And I love it. But I recognize the value of what Tech Play Zone brings to students and to families and to teachers and educators. So I want to go deeper into the metaverse. I want to, you know, really explore what we can do and how we can train teachers. I'm going to tell you a secret. Nobody knows it just yet. But there is an organization that approached me about doing manufacturing day tours. There's this thing called Manufacturing Day. And what we do is we try to get students to go to manufacturing facilities and see what happens in a manufacturing facility to change their perception of what manufacturing is all about. We need more manufacturing happening in the United States. And so 
we take these kids on these tours so that they can see the innovation, the creativity, the automation, all the great things that are happening, right? But not every child can get to a manufacturing facility. So in my mind for Tech Play Zone, I envision manufacturing facilities existing in the virtual space where students can go to the manufacturing facility, see simulations of robots, see simulations of conveyor belts, see simulations of automation, and have manufacturing companies sponsor those virtual spaces. Let us see how cars are built. Let us see how yachts are made. You know that show, How It's Made? Yes. The How It's Made show, in my mind, exists in virtual reality. So if I had my druthers, if I had a, wouldn't it be nice if, wouldn't it be nice if students could visit manufacturing facilities and get an understanding of what it means to be a maker, make a difference in our world as far as the United States goes and become creators and manufacturers by visiting spaces virtually? That's a big goal. That's a big goal for Tech Play Zone. But for right now, Tech Play Zone is going into the metaverse and inviting others to come along with us. If it's for professional development or if it's for students just learning how to code and create. For State College of Florida, my big goal is to simply help students understand that there are so many careers in information technology, be it cybersecurity, networking, programming, web design, graphic arts, whatever it is, there are so many careers. And if they want it, they can do it. If they want it, it's available for them because the jobs are plentiful. Are there any other resources you'd really like to recommend for artists who are saying, how in the world do I get into this? I highly recommend software packages such as Unity, Unreal Engine, any type of software package that you can find that allows you to use your artistic skills to build and create for game development, for virtual worlds, any of those things. Unity and Unreal Engine are fantastic. And they're free, by the way. Yes, and they are free. (laughs) What about careers in the future? You've talked in the past about a robot will do this and will do that like hospitality, but there are new jobs. What if somebody listening is an art student and they want to take the new jobs that sometimes maybe they wouldn't have been able to have had? What's their best course? The best course for my art students is to think about user experience, user interface. The acronym is UXUI. Every industry will have to think about how they're connecting with their client. So let's talk about robots, right? As far as robots go, do we want our robots to look like us? Do we want them to be humanoid? Would we much rather them be machines? Would it make us far more comfortable if they were animals? What will the user experience be and the user interface for us when we're dealing with technology? And so I cannot even, let me give you another example. Cybersecurity. We've all been warned about phishing, smishing, scams, and spam. My art students are better able to design instructional material that I'll be engaged in and more likely to stick around and watch or listen to than somebody perhaps with my personality type that simply says, don't click the link. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get 
Bam. I'm very zeros and ones. I'm very black and white. I don't have the artistic vision to create things that are nice and user-friendly. Literally almost every industry needs someone that understands user interface and user experience. And our art students, I definitely think, are geared in that way. And even as far as instructors go, the best instructors I've ever met were not the ones that were highly technical. They were the ones that were highly theatrical, ones that could engage a student, one that had empathy and understood their audience and could change their teaching methods or teaching styles to reflect what the audience needs at the time. I definitely think information technology is for everyone. I would have to agree. And I'm thinking, we're not talking about the kind of teacher would say, oh, some of us can't use scissors. I'm shocked by that. Oh my gosh. There are still people, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I heard a person say, well, some people are born mathematicians. And I thought, some people are born mathematicians? Who are these people that are born (laughs) mathematicians? Who who are these people? Because I definitely think mathematicians are made There might be some of us who think of it as easier than others, but if we have that persistence and the strength and, you know, what do we call it? Mm Stick-to-itiveness to go after it, then you can be a mathematician. It's just a matter of, will you enjoy being a mathematician? That's the question, you know? If you learn the skills, is it fun? That's That's right. That's right. And that's what I would say to anybody. Anybody can go into information technology, but by all means, please follow your passions. Follow, you know, things that give you purpose in life. Do the things that you think will make a difference for others and that you enjoy. Information technology offers a lot of money for people in those careers, but money isn't always a great motivator. Rich can be defined in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it has nothing to do with money whatsoever. You said it, Dot. How can people best support you in your dream goals? Because I love that idea of manufacturing. You could even get people doing things hands-on safely if they cannot do now. Yes, yes. If people are interested in supporting the manufacturing, and it's called Manufacturing Day. So some of your, your listeners may have heard of Manufacturing Day. In Florida, it's now Manufacturing Month, and they can email me at stemtrainer at gmail.com, stemtrainer, S-T-E-M, science, technology, engineering, and math trainer. Once again, stemtrainer at gmail.com. My final question, usually my signature question for my podcast is this, if people can only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from the work you're doing? I would like for them to take away two things. The first thing is dream big. Dream big. Think of what you want to happen and then think about how you're going to get there. Don't necessarily think about how you're going to get there first. Just dream big. And then number two, don't give up. Don't give up. Things don't always come easy, but it doesn't mean they're not meant to be. Dream big and don't give up. Dace, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Dot. You and I have been listening to Deshwana Bagley, educator, computer scientist, entrepreneur, and founder-CEO of Tampa Bay area-based Tech Play Zone. Find out more about Tech Play Zone's activities, including their upcoming summer tech camps, at techplayzone.com. As Daesh mentioned, you can also find out more about State College of Florida IT Coding Academy's classes, both on-site and online, at coding.scf.edu. And don't miss Daesh's Black History Month exhibit in Verbella. As of late April, that is still available when you go into Verbella and look for Black History Library. 
And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.